You guys look awesome today, and uh, again, we are glad you came, and I want to talk to you uh, just a few minutes about um, we don't need judges in our life. How many of you ever heard that, don't judge me? Come on. Well, the reality of it is, is we all need a judge in our life if we don't have a king over our life. And many, many times, because we don't have a king over our life, we need some people to step in and judge our life. But whenever, whenever we have a king ruling and reigning and as an authority over our life, then we don't need a judge in our life, right? So slap your neighbor and say, I don't need a judge in my life. Because I got a king. You know, I, I was walking through uh, some of the Old Testament passages this week, and I read through the book of Judges in our Bible. It was a period of time whenever leaders would rise up and they would have to be judges over the people. And what was said repeatedly uh, throughout that particular book is because the people were without a king, Judge so-and-so had to stand up and make sure the people were headed in the right direction. And there's numerous judges throughout a, uh, several hundred years. And, and the Bible basically says because the people were living without a king in their life, they needed judges in their life. And it got me to really thinking about who we are as a people. Because we as a people are to have a ruling and reigning king in our life, one that we come underneath, one that's the authority of our life, and we are supposed to walk in the ways that he has called us to walk in. The Bible says that God calls us out of darkness into the wonderful light, and then we are to come underneath him and he has our best interest in mind and he has, he has a mission in mind because he wants to reach other people who don't know who he is. And what I've discovered is in this mission a lot of times in reaching out to other people to introduce them to who our king is, who our authority is, there's a lot of different opinions on how to do that. And a lot of good things show up in our life that aren't God things. And so how do we determine what to say yes to and what to say no to? And I find it fascinating because every single day I have to struggle with whether I say yes or I say no. And there's a lot of good things that you can say yes to, but they may not be the God thing that God wants you to accomplish with your life. And how many of you know if you do every good thing that comes along, then maybe you're going to miss the God thing that he wants to do in your life. 
And you know, it's interesting because we typically think the enemy shows up in our life and makes us do bad things. But what I've discovered is the enemy shows up in my life and many times makes me do good things to miss the God of my life. The Bible says he masquerades himself as an angel of light. In other words, he doesn't show up with a pitchfork fork and one disguised as an evil person. He shows up as one disguised as a good person or a good thing to get you off track of the God thing. So today what I want to do is I want to talk to us about saying no to many good things but saying yes to the right things. And I think that many times we need to learn how to say no a whole lot more than we say yes. Matter of fact, I think our our no should be stronger than our yes. Other words, if we know what our yes is, then we need to say no over and over and over and over again. So to find your yes... And then you'll have the ability to say no a hundred times. Every time something good shows up in your life. So I want to talk about three yeses that could change your life today. Listen to what the writer of the New Testament as he was in a dark hole in a cave with a great throat over it where there was just a glimmer of light passing through it. They would have called it a prison in that day. It was a, a dungeon. His name was Paul. And he wrote a letter to, a, to a, a young man named Timothy. He wrote a couple of them, but we're going to read from the second one. He is in this cave. He knows he's going to die in this cave. He, he knows that that you know what, his life has been a, a struggle in sharing the good news of who Jesus is. He's in, a, he's in a dark moment. He's not on a mountaintop. But I want you to listen to what he, what he tells this young person about their faith and, and how to say yes. Look what he says in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 11 and 12. He says, God chose me. Raise your hand if God has chose you. He said, God chose me to be a preacher and an apostle, uh, one who preaches, one who is sent, and a teacher of the good news about who Jesus is. He says, that is why I'm suffering here in prison. Say what? Because God chose me. (laughs) That's why I'm in this dark hole. With no windows and a great throat over it. And I'm chained to the bottom of the hole. He said, because God chose me. And look what he says. He says, but I'm not ashamed of it. For I know the one whom I trust. I know the one who I have said yes to. He says, I know the one who I've trusted And I'm sure that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until the day of his return. That's a fascinating passage of scripture right there. Because he says, I have said yes 
to three particular things. And it's learned, it's helped me learn to say no to a lot of things that maybe appear to be good, but they're not of God and they're not what my assignment is. And I want you to look at what he says. He says, he says, God chose me to be a preacher and an apostle and a teacher of the good news. This is why I'm here. He says, I'm not ashamed. He says, for I know the one who I have trusted. See, the first yes you need to say to is not to a belief, but to a person. It's interesting, isn't it? He says, I know the one who I have believed in. I know him. I know the person of Jesus. Because he's referring to Christ throughout this passage. Do you know the person of Jesus? Have you said yes to Jesus? Not, not what you believe about him, but do, but do you know who he is personally? Because the writer here says, you know what? I've said yes to the person. I know who I'm in love with and, and I know who I've uh, trusted. And, and he didn't, you know, he didn't uh, say that he was happy to be in prison. He says, but he's in prison. And you know what? He has joy in his heart, not because he's in prison, but because, because he knows who he has trusted. You want to get through life? Then you have to put personal trust. You have to say yes to a person, to the person of Jesus Christ. Because if you say yes to him, then what will begin to happen is you'll learn how to say no to a lot of other things because you'll begin to know the person of Jesus. And when you make him the king of your life and begin to follow him, you'll know how to say no to many, many things. Then you don't need a judge. Because he becomes the authority of your life. And you learn how to say no to many, many things. People come along all the time and they ask me well-meaning questions. But, but they ask me questions like, what does the Bible say about this? Or what does the Bible say about that? And does the, what does the Bible say about divorce? What does the Bible say about raising my kids? What does the Bible say about handling my money? What does the Bible say about my relationships? And, and we come at life sometimes, we want to know what the Bible says about things. But, but let me ask you this, because it doesn't really matter what the Bible says about anything. If you haven't trusted the person the Bible is about. Because it doesn't do any good for you to know what the Bible says without knowing the king that it was written about. And so what I like to come back sometimes and ask the question when people say, what does the Bible say about this? I want to know, well, what do you believe about 
Jesus as a risen king? And I really think that people need to answer that question first. Before they begin to go to the Bible to be the authority of their life in any area of their life. Because why would you ever know what it says if you're not willing to submit your life to it? Why do you want to know if you're not willing to follow? And you won't be willing to follow if you don't know the person of Jesus Christ. Isn't it, isn't it interesting that whenever Jesus was alive and he went to his disciples, he didn't go to them and ask them what they believed. He went to them and asked them, who do you say I am? And a lot of people said he was a good man, he was a good teacher, he was a good prophet. And Peter says, who I say you are is the son of the living God. And you're the Messiah, you're the liberator, you're the one that come from God. But Jesus didn't say, hey, what do y'all believe about me? Jesus says, who do you say I am? And you'll never believe who Jesus says that he is and the things about him until you understand who he is as a person, until you have said yes to him as a person, you have trusted him with your life because, because the who becomes, or, or the who comes before the what. Who I have trusted becomes the what I believe. Who have you trusted with your life? Who have you said yes to with your life? See, when we say yes to people, people let us down, don't they? When we say yes to things, things let us down, don't they? When we say yes to, to you know, all of these various things and, and we don't say yes to the person, the king, the kings, the Lord of lords, the Jesus, the savior, the rescuer, the one who came uh, to give us life. If we don't say yes to the person of Jesus first, then what will happen is the circumstances will begin to dictate our life instead of God dictating our life. And what's interesting that Paul says, I'm in this dark prison, but he says, Timothy, I'm not ashamed of it because I know who I have believed in. You want to have confidence to say no to a lot of things? Then know who you believed in. Know who you have believed in. You know, and the interesting thing is Paul knew who he had believed in, but as we go back into the Old Testament and we begin to see people who who knew who they believed in and then people who knew about, about the things that God did. They had, they had two different viewpoints in life. And, and this is what I want to show you because, because what God calls a lot of the people that didn't know who he was but knew all the things about him and trusted the things that he produced instead of who he was as the producer he called them prostitutes. Yes, 
So I wrote in my notes, you know what? You serve a jealous God and you got to know who you have trusted because he's a, a jealous God. And in order for me to really know how to serve him, I got to let him serve me first. And if I'm not careful, you know what? I'll become, I'll become a prostitute with the good things that God gives me. And instead of loving him with my heart and trusting him with my life. Do you kind of feel like that's where the church is today in some, some aspects? They're, they're prostituting God. In other words, they're saying, hey, God, you know what? Uh, I, I want you to give me this, give me that, give me these things. And God says, what about me? Who you have trusted? And at the end of a, a great leader's life, his name was Joshua. Joshua led the people in, into the promised land that had come out of bondage. They had begun to trust God. They had begun to run after the things of God. God was blessing them in an incredible way, making the, the Hebrew people millionaires. It was incredible. It was phenomenal. He was giving them victory after victory after victory. They were conquering land. They were taking stuff. And at the end of Joshua's life, he looks at the people. And this is what he says in Joshua 24, verse 19. He says, for, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And he says, but I need you to make up your mind today who you're going to serve. Are you going to serve God who has given us all of this victory? Or are you going to serve something else? He says, just make sure you do it wholeheartedly. Make sure you do it. Be all in. Make, make sure you understand what your yes is all about. And then, then the Bible says that the people say, yeah, man, we're all in, we're all in. And Joshua says this in Joshua 24, verse 19. Then Joshua warned the people, you're not able to serve the Lord for he is holy and, and a jealous God. I read that this week. I'm like, well, Joshua, you just said for you and your house, you're going to serve the Lord. But Joshua, we're telling now the other people that said they're going to serve the Lord. You're, you're telling them that, you know what, they can't serve the Lord because, because he is a holy set-apart God. And he's a, a jealous God. J J Joshua, what do you mean? Have you ever, like, read a sentence in the Bible and, like, what the heck does that mean? And I wrote this down can't serve God until you know him personally as the one who is serving you. And, and I really think this is what Paul is saying too to young Timothy in, in that letter that he wrote as he was dying. He's saying, you know what? You really can't serve God until you understand him as one who serves you. And you begin to make him the king of your life because, because he 
chooses to serve you before you ever choose to serve him. And what Joshua is saying here to, to the people is, 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 you know what? You're not going to be able to serve God continuously if you don't first and foremost realize that he served us and brought us out of bondage, brought us out of slavery. And may you never forget who he is, what he has done, who you have put your faith in, who have you put your trust in. He's done great things for us. But if you're not careful, you know what? You're going to forget about the relationship. And then the Bible goes on to say, that's where the book of Judges starts. And the Bible says that the Lord raised up judges to rescue the Israelites from their attackers. Judges chapter 2, verses 16 and 17. Because the people had drifted. Exactly like Joshua said. They got into the next generation. The, the people who, who saw God do these amazing things. They clinged to God. But the next generation only heard about this God. And they didn't see the amazing hand of God working. They forgot who he was. So they had to have judges in their life to redirect their life in who God was. And the Bible says, Israel did not listen to the judges. Look what it says. But prostituted themselves by worshiping other gods. How quickly they turned away from the path of their ancestors. Who had walked in obedience to the Lord's commands. And then in Joshua 8, verse 27, another time, the Bible says Gideon was, was made as one of these judges and the people had turned away. Gideon had brought them back. He had remembered who God was. And, and then it says this in uh, Judges 8, 27, Gideon made a sacred ephod from the gold. It was gold earrings that people had threw on a, on a thing and, and, and from the gold and he put it in his hometown. But soon, all the Israelites prostituted themselves by worshiping this ephod, this shield, this, this gold thing that Gideon made. And it became a trap for Gideon and his family. Think about that for just a minute. God did something amazing. God delivered the people from the hand of their enemies underneath the leadership of, of Gideon. And the Bible says that, you know, the people looked at Gideon and said, hey, we want to make you our king. You know what Gideon said? No. I don't want to be your king. I, I don't want to be your king because if, if I become your king, then we're going to continually be failures. Gideon was the judge, he was the leader, he was the warrior, he was the one that God's hands was chosen on. But, it, but what Gideon was trying to do was point the people to the heart of God and say, make God your king and not make me your king because that is who we need to be in a relationship with is God, not just me, not just the church, not just the family, not just the preacher, but you need to be in a relationship with God and he needs to be the king of your life. Say yes to Jesus. Make him your personal king. Come under his authority. Understand what he did for you. What he did for me. What he did for us. And you know what? Then come under his umbrella and let him be the king. Gideon's trying to direct the people back to God. But then he says, but he made one fatal error. 
He took some of the merchandise that they had taken in war and he built an ephod and he, and he put, he put it on, I guess, a pedestal or something in his hometown. And instead of making God the king, the people begin to worship the, the building, the ephod, the little piece of gold that Gideon had put together. So what does this teach us? That if we don't continually point people to Jesus as the King of King and the Lord of Lords, they will worship what Jesus does for them instead of who Jesus is as a personal Savior and a risen King. The Bible says that when you start letting the good things of God take over your life and they replace him, then that's when you start prostituting yourself against God. And so, as I look around sometimes and we talk about moving forward and doing great things together, are we always putting Jesus in the front Are we always making him superior to everything? Are we always lifting up his name as a resurrected king? Because if not, what will happen is people begin to worship the stuff that's provided instead of the God who provides the stuff. And and then we'll fall into the same trap as these people did over and over and over again. and, and, And we'll miss the relationship. Man, let your yes be yes and your no be no. But by no means ever, never forget that you need to say yes to the person of Jesus Christ before you say yes to anything else. And I think some people are trying to move forward in life without ever saying yes to Jesus as the king of their life. God, what are you going to do about this situation, this circumstance? God, how do you want to use me for the kingdom? Can I tell you, he'll be clear on how he wants to use you as for the kingdom. If you'll say yes to him first. And I really think the reason so many of us are insecure in the church and don't know what to say yes to. It's because we need to first and foremost say yes to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And everything else the church does will begin to to make sense instead of of us, you know what, just building ephods or worship centers and places. And honestly, as I read through this, I'm like, God, may we not be a generation that become spiritual prostitutes. God, may we love you with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength and always lift you up and push you forward in spite of what you bless us with. God, may the blessings that you give us not turn into curses for our life. And my friend, I want you to understand how good God is. 
He's an amazing God. He is a provider. He is a healer. He is one that will give you everything you need to do this life's journey. But you got to shore up things. It's not about having the stuff in life. It's about having the one in your heart that you know whom you have believed in. And it will get you through the circumstances, the challenges, and everything else. And you won't need a judge. All you will need is a king. The word is written on my heart. It's written in my soul. It's stamped on me. It's permanent. And and it was Paul too. And he's like, you can put me in prison. You can stand me on a mountain. You can give me caviar or you can give me sardines. I've been shipwrecked. I've been amazed. I've been hurt. I've been, I've been done all of this stuff. He says, but I know the person of Jesus who I have believed. The circumstances aren't always great, but I have said yes to Jesus. I think the danger in preaching is assuming that everybody in the room is a Christ follower. When you come to church. But the really the reality of it is is they're not. And then the church trying to make morality the king Instead of lifting up the king of our life, his name is Jesus. And people begin to believe in a morality and trust a morality as their king instead of the king of morality. And and what I'm trying to say here today is we're not here to say that God won't change your character and change your morals But you need to understand the foundation of this thing called Christianity is the belief in a resurrected Savior. If you never breathe another breath, if God never gives you another tangible thing, the foundation of your faith is saying yes to this Jesus and you're secure. And my friends, it's not just a prayer you utter with your mouth. It's not just a religious act. It's not just a baptism you go through. It is an allegiance. To the God of the universe. In spite of what you face in this world. Because he is your God. And the world you live in is not. And in spite of what goes on, he's still God. I know who I'm believed in. And he is able. He is able to keep my deposit of what I've given to him until the day he returns. Which is the second yes I need to say. I need to say yes to kingdom deposits. 
It's one thing to say yes to King Jesus. It's another thing to say yes to kingdom deposits. And I'm not talking about just your money and, you know, giving it in the offering plate. That's not what, uh, that's not what, I'm, what I'm referring to here. But that would be a kingdom deposit too. But what I'm referring to here is, is understand what, what, what Timothy or, or Paul is saying here. That word entrusted literally means have, have put on deposit with. Now, again, what Paul is saying, what he has handed me, he's saying, I've entrusted him the ministry he's given me, the, the life he has given me, the, the relationships he has given me. He's basically saying, I've entrusted it back to him because it's better in his hands than it is in, in my hands. We used to play this game when I was a kid and they would play music. I know this is old school for some of y'all. They would play music and they would pass this potato around in a circle. And if, if you were holding the potato, it, it was called hot potato. When the music stopped, then, then that wasn't a good thing. The whole objective was, was the music was playing and you don't hold on to the potato, but you get it, you get it in somebody else's hand so it didn't, didn't stop on you. And this is kind of what Paul's saying here. He's saying, look, um, I know you've entrusted some things to me, but I understand they are yours and, and I'm, I'm not going to, I, I trust more about what they are in your hands instead of in my hands. And so I know who I'm believed in, but I also know that he is able to keep what I've deposited with him into the kingdom until the day he returns. I, I know this with all of my heart. And so I'm going to, I'm going to understand that I am his and everything I have is his and he is entrusted and I'm going to be, I'm going to be using it for his sake forever and ever and ever. See, this is the misinterpretation. Is God is good to get us through life. No, God is good in spite of life. And the good blessings of God come into your life so you can build the kingdom of God here on earth as it is in heaven. <laughs> but it's easy to become a... a, a a sponge and just soak up the blessing and not leverage the blessing. Doesn't mean you don't use the blessing. You do use the blessing, but you put, put it back in the blesser's hand and you say, Hey, you know what? I, I want to use my life. I'm talking about all of it. My marriage, my, my child rearing, my, my vacations, I, I, you know, what I do in Walmart, what I do in the restaurant. I, I want to use my life. I've entrusted my life back to you and, and I'm just a vessel and I want to be used by, by you, King Jesus until the day I die. And so I give all of me back to you. I've been trusting my life back to you. And, and I understand my assignment. So I say yes to depositing my life with you. I'm in your hands. And you know what? I'm better off in your hands than I am in my own hands. Or somebody else's hands. Do you really believe that in your heart? Have you deposited your life back to Jesus? 
Or do you just need judges to tell you what to do all the time? Because I'm telling you, you don't need a judge when you have a king. And when Jesus is the king of your heart, and you've entrusted back to the king what he's entrusted to you, and you put it on deposit with him. My friend, you view life differently. Why am I in this circumstance? What does the king want to do through me? Paul, why am I in this dark dungeon? What does the king want to do through me? Why, why am I in this predicament? What does the king want to do through me? See, a lot of times I think we think we're only blessed by God whenever it's piled high and deep and we got, you know, all of this, this stuff. But, but many times it's God stripping the stuff away so that we can see that we're a vessel in his hands and he wants to use us in a powerful way in spite of the stuff. And, and can I tell you? God does want to give you more and he wants to do amazing things through your life. But, but the tendency, according to the Bible, is when you get more, that you begin to trust the more, more than you do the one of the supplier of the more and begin to worship it. It is the human nature. And we learn from the Hebrew people and the people of God that, that you know what, we don't want to we don't want to be like that. We don't want to just worship a gold ephod or, you know, some monument or some building. And here at Barefoot Church, man, we're, we're preparing to advance this, this thing forward, our campus and all that kind of stuff. But I, I guess the word of caution that's coming to me as a people is don't get stagnant where we are. Don't get satisfied where we are, but where we're going, that ain't God. Do you understand that? And though we're going to build something amazing, and there's going to be an amazing campus over there, may we never forget the one that we're doing it for. His name is Jesus, and it is to glorify his name, lift the name of Jesus, raise his name high. Everything we do, when we purchase property, when we marry people. Man, you know, if, if we marry people, put two people, a man and a woman together in this house, the blessing that we're putting on it, is that God would be the central focus of your marriage. Your marriage is a representation of God's commitment to his people and his people commitment to God. Because that's what the Bible says. And so we don't just go through a ceremony. We want, we want people to understand what they're committing to. Marriage is a blessing, but it can become a curse. Oh, yeah. If you didn't understand why God blessed you with that special someone. 
and that amazing person. Because what will happen is when it becomes about you and what God gave you instead of honoring him with what he's blessed you with, it's easy to become a prostitute. It's easy to commit adultery because I'm going for what feels good instead of what is God. And sex is a good thing. Amen. But here's the example. It's not always a God thing. See, that's the great example of how it's easy to get caught up in the good things that God has blessed you with. And forget about the God who is the king of it. And honestly, you know, that's what happens a lot of times. People are focused on, on, on instead of letting God be the central theme of their marriage and, and the captain of their marriage and the king of their marriage, they become the king or the queen. And you need to understand, God, the, marriage is ordained by God. And can God forgive our mistakes? Absolutely. Can God forgive our adulterous moments? Absolutely. Can God forgive our prostitution? Absolutely. But may you be clear today, the way to move forward and say no to all that junk is to say yes to King Jesus and make him the authority of your marriage. Otherwise, you'll get caught up in the stuff and fluff of life. And that's my last point. Don't say yes to the stuff and fluff. Say yes to God. Again, the danger, the reason they had to have judges for nearly 400 years. We've only been in America for a couple of hundred, right? They had to have judges for 400 years. The reason they had judges for 400 years is because they didn't have a king. They chose to abandon God. And they, they chose to make their own selves kings and queens and get the stuff of God. And God says, you know what? You done started worshiping the blessing instead of the blessor. And I got to get it straight with you. And, and I need you to understand that, you know what? I'm not the authority in your life. You're your own authority in your life. You just leverage the stuff however the heck you want to leverage it. And I need you to understand that you are my people. I am your God. I'm the authority over your life. I've appointed your life. I got great plans for your life. It's amazing plans. You're a masterpiece in my hands. But never ever let the pieces become the master. Let the master be the master instead of letting the pieces be the master. See, I wonder how many of us are 
letting the pieces of the puzzle be the master of our life. Instead of Jesus being the master and the king and the Lord. I wonder how many of us need to put our faith and say yes to Jesus first. I know whom I have believed. He is able to keep what I've deposited with him. Until that day, he's going to return. I wonder how many of us need to utter the words of the Apostle Paul as he was in that dark place and saying, Timothy, I'm not ashamed of of what's going on in my life because I know who I've trusted. I know, I know, I know. And I don't need a judge because I got a king. I wonder how many of us need an authority in our life today. One to speak blessing over our life. One to, to submit our life to because, because he knows more about our steps and direction than we do. And I wonder how many of us are falling into the trap that Gideon's family fell into and we're worshiping some ephod or some building or some monument or some denomination or some cup or some piece of bread or something, some dunk in water instead of worshiping the one who ordained all of those things and letting him be the king of your life. See, see the danger is, is to take all the blessings turn them into curses and my friend I am totally convinced that God wants to bless me more than I want to be blessed and he wants to bless you too more than you want to be blessed he wants to pour it out more than you you can contain more than we can contain but are we submitted to his authority in our life Is he really the king? Is he really the savior? Is he really the rescuer of your soul? Or have you trusted him to be something else that he never claimed to be? My friend, he is not Santa Claus. He is God. Oh, and I'm madly in love with him. Because he will sustain me all the way through. Whether I'm in a dungeon or I'm on a mountaintop, I know who I have believed in. And he is able to take everything I've entrusted to him and keep it until that day. And my friends, the future is bright. The best is yet to come. That day hasn't arrived. And for those who are believers in Jesus Christ, I want you to know it's going to be a wonderful day. I'd love to pray for you today. I'd love to unite our hearts around King Jesus. Can you bow your heads? God, you're an amazing God. Jesus, you are the Lord of this house. This place, this building, our families, our finances, our relationships, our jobs, our vacations, you're the Lord. 
Jesus, we lift you. God, may we not paint a picture for anyone else to trust just the things you do, but trust in who you are. God, you're going to do amazing things. But we trust you, Jesus. We worship you, Jesus. We praise your name, Jesus. Because you have come out of the grave and defeated our sin and given us life in Christ Jesus. May this be a place that says no to so many things because they have said yes to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. God, let our yes be yes and our no be no. And maybe right now you need to make a decision to say yes to Jesus as Lord. And if that is you, say, God, today I submit right where I'm at in my life. Right where you sit today, no matter how young or old you are, no matter whether you're male or female, it doesn't matter what color your skin is. Say, God, today I rest and submit my life to you. Because of who you are. Tell God, thank you for the gift of love that he showed on that cross through Jesus. Tell God you have faith that he loved you so much that he gave his life's blood so you could have life. Tell God, thank you right now for the resurrection of Christ. Tell him you believe in that with all of your heart. And you submit to his authority. Tell God, thank you for that amazing grace and that favor he just lavished upon your life. My friend, never forget the person you just met and his name is Jesus. And may we be his people. Amen.